financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out, higher than expected. Friends, this isn't going away. It can't. The U.S. is $34 trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text STRANGE to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text STRANGE to 989898 now. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. They come at us, and we have to figure out what our morality in that moment is going to be, what we're going to do, how we're going to proceed, how we're going to proceed for our children and grandchildren. These are these are big decisions, and we have to come to terms with them with our free will instead of having a master of tyranny over us, whether that master is a, uh, a technocrat or, uh, or a real tyrant. So to me, that's the first thing that we have to do is really come to terms with what being human is. If you enjoy Conspiracy Unlimited, why not become a Conspiracy Unlimited Plus member? For just $1.99 per month, you'll gain access to two bonus, exclusive commercial-free episodes per month, plus access to my back catalog of episodes. To subscribe, just go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com and click on Gain Access to Premium Episodes. Again, go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com and click on Get access to premium episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. 
writer-researcher Alina Freeland stays with us as we continue to discuss geoengineering and transhumanism. Her new book, the third in her trilogy on the subject is Geoengineered Transhumanism, How the Environment Has Been Weaponized by Chemicals, Electromagnetics, and Nanotechnology for Synthetic Biology. We were talking before the break, Ilana, about targeted individuals and how, I guess, we're talking about kind of very rudimentary, almost unsophisticated forms of what we're seeing now. That was an early iteration of what they're doing to us all now? Yes, I think it's just beginning in a way for all of us as the technology is uh, in place. Uh, I think the the lockdown was very helpful to this in that uh, they had plenty of time to put up uh, thousands and thousands of new towers around the world and to prepare them for 5G and 6G, and maybe even in some nations, 7G. Uh, but the it has to do with what is being done in the inoculations now. And um, if we don't see the big picture, uh, they're going to, it's kind of like a, a mass attack from many angles. You see what I mean? This is why I wrote the book is when they use the term epigenetics, which is, you know, the, a very, a very important part of the new genetics and uh, uh, realize that epigenetics includes manipulation of the environment uh, and that uh, this can uh, impact us uh, in multiple ways. So uh, when I have at the beginning of my book, the quote, the terrain is everything, the germ is nothing, and uh, by Claude Bernard of the 19th century. And what that, what that signifies is take another look at your environment and realize uh, how it's being exploited for control and, um, and really at least get that squared away so that you're not taken unawares because a lot of, I believe, a lot of medical um, <clears throat> diagnoses and treatments now that we have what is known as telemedicine uh, and precision medicine, uh, which is uh, meaning that there'll be, you won't have to go into the clinic or the doctor's office or the hospital. They'll be doing things to you at home with the frequency of the drug that they want you to be taking, with the frequency of whatever treatment you're undergoing. Uh, and, and this is what digital biology means. So um, that in itself is a little scary. Uh, at least, you know, I'm not a person who goes to doctors. I studied Chinese medicine for six years. I've used Chinese medicine my whole life since I was in my 20s, uh, and I have not been to a doctor since I was 13 because I do not really trust the medical industry that's run by the American Medical Association uh, and Big Pharma. So um, if you do find yourself in those places, think of the environment. So say you're in a hospital and you have, uh, you know, maybe you have the flu and you're concerned it might be COVID-19 or whatever, and, and you're in the hospital, well, you're in a 5G, 6G environment. And um, that is uh, <laughs> that may be trouble in itself 
of course, no one will talk about it. Everyone will, will think you're paranoid if you even mention something like that. So I admit that the, uh, the situation is difficult. Uh, and what I'm recommending to people is that there are things you can do uh, to bring back the old medicine, you know, the, the home remedies, the low-tech a way of uh, of taking care of one's health, of becoming, of again becoming responsible for your health, and not uh, running to the doctors and uh, and for uh, a lot of drugs. Uh, this this has to be done. You have to cut that yoke that holds you, that binds you, to a five G, six G, high tech, smart hospital, uh, and smart medicine. Uh, this this is one of the things you can do for yourself, and it's quite exciting, actually. A lot of people are doing it now. I've gone back to the old medicine that the AMA has has tried to stamp out for uh, 200 years. So um, that in itself is uh, is something to be concerned about. That's actually part two of the book is all on the smart hospital and the smart cities and right. how there how- are. How else, besides the 5G and the 6G, how else have smart hospitals been armed? With all the um, uh, high-tech, let me see if I can read a few of them, the high-tech machines that you go in and you're going to need testing, right, because you've got a pain in somewhere. So you're going to be put under uh, one of the machines, and it's good to know what these machines really are. I mean, like uh, ECTs, uh, electronic brain stimulation, EBS, uh, deep brain stimulation, transcranial magnetic stimulation, trigeminal nerve stimulation, uh, the electroencephalogram, silent sound spread. uh, You know, I mean, uh, the the machines themselves are high tech and they're run by uh, 5G systems because the entire hospital is is super. Uh, armed uh, is the word I use uh, with uh, high-tech machines and uh, I'm not sure what they have to do with human health I think they're more about the uh, the desire to uh, explore and um, and experiment on people but uh, excuse me we do have uh, some um, you know like what happened to all the protections for people to be able to give consent, for example. Uh, If it's just a procedure that is said to be normal, how many people have really gotten very ill in hospitals? And, uh, you know, are we we at all convinced that we're being told the truth about it? So to be careful of the armed, uh, the smart armed city and the smart armed hospital, I think it's just part of of, a human protocol. And in a way, I'm kind of dividing everything into, okay, this, this is good for humans. I'm not sure about this over here. So you'd better really have your, you'd better be surveillant. You'd better have your perceptions highly attuned so that you can figure out if you are safe in these environments. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I want to get back to something also you mentioned, and that is we've moved from molecular biology to digital biology. Uh, In other words, uh, we, we can now create and weaponize bacteria with computers. I mean, yes. can you talk to me a bit, a bit more about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I was uh, when I was researching it, I was surprised to learn that um, that there is a real 
open door policy in a way in genetics now where uh, scientists or the scientifically minded at home can actually go to a catalog and order up a virus, order up a, a, a bacteria and um, go to town uh, on creating their own pathogen. Uh, you know, it's called the uh, gain of function uh, is is sort of the uh, euphemism for arming, it appears. Uh, and uh, and many people are doing this. And, and of course, that, that makes sense because you want to find those really bright guys and women out there who are doing things on their own. Uh, and, you know, and these people you order from a catalog, but I'm sure that uh, that's being surveilled as to who bought that and where that person is and what they're doing with it. And, and so it's a way of, uh, of sort of a, sort of a job market as well. But at the same time, think about how, if you have the right electromagnetics, you can actually broadcast disease, uh, uh, by frequency or, Take look at it the other, just the inside-out way. Uh, you have put a disease into people with an inoculation, and it has gone dormant, and now it can be resurrected by calling out its frequency so that the symptoms of that disease, I think the latest one that they're hitting us with, with uh, fear is smallpox, bringing that one back. Uh, you can actually bring those symptoms back. Now, does that person really have that disease? Uh, it certainly um, can be unwrapped and will certainly cause pain and suffering. So for all intents and purposes, yes. But, you know, everyone should read Tom Cowan, uh, the doctor's book, uh, The Contagion Myth, to realize that, that there really is no, that virus and bacteria are not at all what we're told they are. There is no contagion that's going on. What will be going on now? with the inoculated at the very least and, and you know it's being called shedding that's a animal term i think it's an unfortunate term because what's really happening is those people are now completely plugged in to 5g and 6g systems and they are broadcasting frequencies of disease yes they are what do you think the space fence is doing and why is half of it pointing out into space? Also, could we hack their frequencies and find a way to unbrainwash the masses? So let's deal with the space fence first. First of all, maybe go into some detail as to what it is, what it's right. for. Yeah, I mean, um, it sounds like that person uh, fortunately knows what the old space fence used to be. Uh, which was very much about sort of SETI, like, uh, you know, seeing what's going on in space and, and watching space. But that's not the way the space fence is now. The space fence is very, very many insulations, not just uh, a few in the southern United States and then uh, out in the Marshall Islands. Uh, it, it's, uh, I think of it as a sandwiching going on that, that above us in the uh, stratosphere and near Earth orbit, uh, as we have heard, and it's been very much admitted that around the equator right now, a, uh, a an ultra, uh, I, I, I can't remember what, uh, if it's EMF or what it is, but it, around the equator is a ring of, um, 
of electromagnetism. And uh, it's sort of uh, that is the sandwiching from space, not counting the satellites, not counting all the thousands of satellites up there now for, especially for 5G, but this, just this ring around the planet, very Saturn looking, uh, is, is the top sandwich, the, say the, the piece of bread above us. And then on the earth, is are all of these installations, the radar installations, the ionospheric heaters, uh, the uh, NEXRADs, uh, the uh, 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 cell towers, the cell phones. I mean, everything broadcasting, everything electromagnetic, and and I'm putting something out and and receiving it uh, as well. All of that is the lower piece of bread in the sandwich. And we are all in between those two. And, and so now all they need to do is to keep the uh, atmosphere ionized. And that's the important part. That's what HARP led to. And, uh, and now it's, it, it requires, to date anyway, it requires that they keep dumping all these particulates because you can't broadcast uh, through a vacuum uh, of air. You have to be able to uh, have something that, it, uh, that is mobilized, that is activated, uh, and, um, and that would be the particulate. So, so um, that's the space fence now, and I describe that in the second book uh, to uh, you know, a, a great degree to explain how it was built and uh, advising me then was Billy Hayes, uh, the, known as the Harp Man, because Billy was involved in building Harp. Uh, he has always been in electromagnetics, and um, so he really helped me to understand how you're going to plug everybody in through the space fence. Could we hack their frequencies and find a way to unbrainwash the masses? Well, okay, let's go back to the nano. Uh, the nano consciousness that they have, a, a swarm consciousness. All right, so they have a swarm consciousness. They're in my body. I can feel them moving sometimes, uh, and sometimes they, I get pinched. Uh, in because what what I didn't say is that you need to know is that uh, the objective is that these nano uh, building blocks, and that's what they are, the nano building blocks, these nano bots or nano particles or all of it. Uh, are to replace our nervous system with something sort of a silicon system uh, and uh, replace our circulatory system uh, with a different kind of vessels that are, uh, that are synthetic. The idea is to synthesize us, to make us synthetic, uh, machine-like, uh, and then we won't have to worry about the Van Allen belts on our way out of here sort of thing. So um, if, uh, if I can, is it, looking at my human consciousness, it is greater than that of the swarm consciousness. I have an individual consciousness that is a higher rung on the evolutionary ladder of consciousness. No question about it. Uh, so my thought is, can I, not hacking, uh, and if this person is a computer person, uh, then uh, they could actually go that way. But my thought is that to control the nanobots in me 
uh, above and beyond those who are remote, who are attempting to control the re- remote, uh, the nanobots in me, that I, my consciousness can direct them. My consciousness is greater than theirs. And so what I'm concentrating on right now as an experiment is I'm sort of playing getting to know you. I'm, I'm sort of uh, becoming aware of them. Uh, of the nanobots in my body and um, without any animosity or fear or just simply observing uh, their behavior, seeing what my diet has to do with it, uh, you know, whether my diet is acid or alkaline, uh, running a lot of experiments regarding uh, the balance of uh, what I know is in there. And like you said earlier, Richard, invisible to me, but they do move. And I can feel that movement, uh, and I know what it is. So um, I I think that there is a way to hack. I just don't know on what scale that question is thinking of. Right. I mean, very quickly, because we're just about to, into a break here, but do our T-cells recognize these nanobots? Do they fight them? I think that uh, the T-cells are in dire straits now, at least for the inoculated because the first thing that the uh, that the mRNA certainly does in coming into the body is to uh, to really wear away that immune system, whatever is left of it. I mean, I, I point out in the book over and over again that our immune system has been under assault for decades, decades, not just with fluoride in the water, but that certainly is one of the players. And it's all, and to my mind, it's all intentional. It's all intentional to lead us to where you wear down the noblest and greatest defender of our bodies is the immune system and just wear it down. I even now think that the immune system, due to Rudolf Steiner's teachings, I think that the immune system is a very high order uh, protection, right? And, well, they're tr- uh, yeah, they're trying to. They're trying to. They're, they <laughs> are trying very ho- hard to memory hole the idea of natural immunity from a prior infection, something we've known about since the plague in Athens in 430 BC, and now all of a sudden uh, they're trying to tell us that uh, our our immunity from a prior infection is is no good. My good friend Nelson Thal, media scientist who studied under Marshall McLuhan, just sent me this Omicron, of course. The uh, the Greek letter Omicron, uh, now the uh, the uh, the new variant we're being told they've, they've named it Omicron, and apparently Omicron is also the name of a 1964 comedic Italian sci-fi film in which an alien variant takes over the body of an Earthling to learn about our weaknesses, <laughs> so that his race can take over our planet. There you go. Omicron is actually the name of a sci-fi comedy from 1964 or 63, uh, written and directed by Hugo Gregoretti. It's an Italian-French co-production. It stars Renato Salvatore, Rosemary Dexter, Franco Luzzi, Gattiano Quattararo, uh, and so forth. There you go. Omicron. Uh that can't be a coincidence. Oh well, I just I just watched it today. I, oh, I, did you? I learned about it too, Richard, and it's really good. It's really good, and and and, and you know you have subtitles so in English. And I mean, then I, I just pro- wanted to say that the uh, also remember Omicron is is the uh, the anagram is moronic. Yes. <laughs> I mean, talk about predictive programming. Uh, that's like fifth, uh, 58 years ago. 
that movie came out. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, are Russia or China doing anything geoengineering related that that should uh, concern the West? Well, I think th- uh, my own opinion is, and I'm, it's just my opinion, that um, the United States was uh, primary in this, despite the fact that the Russians originally, as everybody re- remembers, in the, at least some people remember, uh, uh, the Russians had the, uh, the, the um, what is the name of it? Uh, it's like a, like a big magnet uh, that they can uh, hit the United States with, they they called it... Uh, oh, Woodpecker, Operation Woodpecker. Yeah, the Woodpecker. Like Thanks. Yeah. My memory just suddenly was gone. Um, so despite that, the United States has been number one. I mean, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and the CIA owned all the patents that had to do with HARP. Uh, and so um, it has been very much that was very much successful. The Air Force has admitted it that we now control the ionosphere uh, from the U.S. From and NATO countries are part of that, but really it came from the U.S. But to defend themselves, certainly China and Russia would have uh, geoengineering. I know China is now geoengineering for agricultural purposes uh, and for weather. You know, bringing in the weather. Uh, as I've said many times, if people think that we have any natural weather, uh, we don't. Uh, it's all engineered now. Uh, and um, and so it's weaponized as well. It's used to do that. And uh, certainly if I were running Russia or China, I would want to protect myself as well because we saw what happened with Fukushima. And Fukushima was definitely a uh, a weather assault. Can you talk about any connection you're aware of with respect to more gallons and Glyphosates. Do you know much about what seems to be an engineered bioweapon in Lyme disease? Yes, I think uh, I think Lyme disease is completely uh, a biowarfare weapon. It was from again back there near Fort Detrick. Everything seems to spawn in Fort Detrick that becomes weaponized. Uh, Morgellons and Lyme have some some commonalities. I discuss them in the book. Uh, it's very interesting to me, uh, but they are, they are definitely separate uh, and separate weapons. Um, and uh, Morgellons is, uh, is still around. I actually was on coast to coast the other night and a woman called in who sounded like she had very severe Morgellons symptoms uh, but it can be controlled and it can be, uh, you can get better, but it takes uh, careful eating and, uh, and it takes uh, many lifestyle changes because Morgellons, like many of these pathogens that have been weaponized, loves uh, electromagnetism. So living in a Wi-Fi environment would be the worst of all. Living in a, an Internet of Things environment with a smart meter on your home would be the worst as well. You sort of alluded to this when you yeah. talk about, uh, you know, this vacuum, nature abhors a vacuum, uh, yeah. and, and for these materialists in particular, can be vulnerable to some sort of, I don't know, uh, um, uh, oppression or possession? Yeah, possession, I would say. And, um, and certainly, uh, I would add in now with that question, uh, what CERN has done. CERN is up to no good. There's no question about it. And it is sort of the... 
the way I call what I called it in the previous book is the Temple of CERN, and I do believe it is very much a um, some sort of religious uh, uh, stronghold for the global elite. Uh, due to its uh, latitude, longitude, uh, and um, the fact that, as Anthony Patch has said, it is uh, it was CERN was uh, placed uh, over the temple of Apollyon. Um, so you know this is all part of studying the global elite who are very much involved in what we call mythology, but for them is actually religion. Uh, and so uh, I think that many uh, through the D-Wave computer, the adiab adiabatic, I don't know if I'm saying that word right, uh, quantum computer, we, uh, I think a lot of uh, entities are being called in. Certainly Jordy Rose, the uh, chief operating officer or the chief technology officer of D-Wave uh, Computer has said that they are calling the old ones back in. And I'm not quite sure what he means there, but it doesn't sound good. Will ingesting colloidal silver short-circuit the nanobots? Well, I'd be interested in anyone's uh, experiments with that. I, I, for some reason, over the last 10 or so years, I've I've been cautioned by people to uh, be careful of ingesting colloidal silver. I'm not sure what that comes from, but I certainly use it topically. If, if at all, I have a rash, uh, I, I will spray colloidal silver on it. Um, so I, I, I would be very interested. We're, many of us are experimenting now, um, and I always recommend Tony Pantaloresco. Tony is a, a Canadian herbalist, and um, he is uh, intrepid in experimenting with various things. He's experimenting with mag magnetics as well, which has quite a success rate uh, with the nanotechnology, by the way, because, of course, the nanotechnology is primarily supported by the nanometals that we have breathed in from what the chemical trails are dropping on us. So that makes sense that the magnetic, would they have some, uh, be able to pull out uh, the graphene oxide? That's another interesting question because graphene is certainly has to do with magnetism and it is highly conductive. So um, we're, we're, we're very excited about uh, all this experimentation, but it's all low tech, you understand. It's not not anything that we're going to go and try to get a patent on <laughs> since the patent office is completely controlled. Well, speaking of patents, you mentioned one in the, in the book that, that sort of caught your attention, a patent for the development of inorganic life forms. Yes, inorganic life forms. That's true. And I think that in a way, um, I'd be interested if anyone isolates this hydra uh, what is it called? Hydra vulgaris that has been found in the serum of one of the vaccines. Yeah, um, they, they have like tentacles. They look like they have tentacles. Yeah, yeah I would be interested in further work on that uh, if uh, someone does it, it to see if it's synthetic or not. Because I know they're making um, sort of hybrids. It's like their vision of us in human 2.0, I would assume. We will be hybrids. We would be hybrids. We would be partially synthetic and a, a silicon model and partially human, a carbon model. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I would imagine that, uh, that there is, uh, there, there are many 
there are, are many inorganic uh, species that uh, will be injected over time into people who are receiving so-called boosters or whatever they call them. Back to more of my conversation with Elena Freeland, author of Geoengineered Transhumanism. Stay with us. Hi there. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you're going to love. It's called The Dead Files from Travel Channel. On The Dead Files, Amy Allen and Steve DeShavi investigate the paranormal activity haunting real people and homes across the United States. Amy and Steve come from totally different perspectives when they investigate. Amy's a medium. She sees and speaks to dead people and uses this skill to find out why someone might be haunting a place. Steve is a retired homicide detective. He tackles the case from the other end of the spectrum and uses public records and witness accounts to piece together the history of the haunted location. On every episode, Steve and Amy investigate a different, real haunting to help the family struggling with its effects. On one episode in Falconer, New York, a family keeps waking up with scratches and bruises. They also see a shadow figure lurking around their home. They call Amy and Steve to investigate. Amy uses her strength as a medium to understand who the presence is coming from and why it's so angry. Separately, Steve finds out the history of the house from the townspeople and in public records. He finds that several people who lived in this house died, which matches Amy's findings. At the end of the episode, Steve and Amy share their findings and make a recommendation on whether it's safe to stay in the house or time to get out. There are so many crazy stories on the dead files, and what's interesting about Amy and Steve is that they investigate the hauntings from two totally different perspectives. You listen to my podcast because you love tales of the paranormal, but if you want more... Listen to The Dead Files wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. The highly anticipated second season of the hit podcast Proof is finally here. Proof is an investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here. Proof made headlines for its first season in 2022 after proving the innocence of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend Brian Bowling when they were just 17 years old. 25 years later, on December 8, 2022, both men were finally freed based on evidence unearthed by Proof. In the second season of Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, this time traveling the streets of Manteca, California, to uncover who really murdered 18-year-old Rene Ramos. On June the 5th, 2000, Ramos's body was found buried under a pile of debris inside the shell of a new Home Depot building. Despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, tips that were ignored until now, Renee's boyfriend, 18-year-old skateboarder Jake Silva, and Ty Lopez, the 33-year-old uncle of one of Jake's close friends, were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. C60 Evo delivers the miracle molecule, ESS60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 Evo with those you love? 
ESS60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years. And during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality. We're both pain-free. In a landmark peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen or click on the C60Evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS60 from C60Evo. Order your miracle in a bottle today. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again. I don't know what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Ilana, if biotech can manipulate us through geoengineering, could they not just vaccinate everyone on the planet without their knowing it? Yeah, I think that they're, uh, they're talking about, as you know, uh, various plants that will be producing vaccines. And I don't know how, um, how surreptitious that will be. Will it be that you go to buy lettuce in the organic section of your supermarket and it's actually been treated in such a way that you will be eating the vaccine? I, I, I would assume, given who these people are, that their their means will be subtle indeed. Uh, and uh, it won't necessarily entail a needle. Uh, how do you uh, think we can be the victors in this global takeover? How will we win this battle? Ah, me. Well, I don't know how long it's going to run. I feel thrilled that I have been able to live long enough that I can fight uh, for as long as I will fight. I don't think it'll be easy because, um, I mean, I've been uh, basically an activist and a researcher uh, studying many, many of the things that have torn this this culture down in America and, and in the world um, uh, for a long time. And um, what I see is that people are too uh, addicted to their comforts and uh, their conveniences and we had we've had opportunities years ago where we could have done something, but no one would do it. It's somehow that things have to get really bad before people who claim to love freedom will uh, will really uh, start to do something. And I think we're seeing quite a bit of uh, awakening now. Now that we have the lockdown and and um, I don't know how many millions are being uh, vaxxed, uh, but it's unfortunate that we have to get go that far. So with that in mind, you understand that if the powers that be wanted to create a um, another uh, happenstance to put us to sleep for another five or ten years, they could easily do that because they have the resources to do that and most people are just not subtle enough to realize they're being manipulated. Uh, I, I guess another way of asking that question, and it's something that you, you conclude your book with, uh, a chapter called Remaining Human. Can mm -hmm. we remain human? Well, that certainly is um, 
primary to my mind. And so what I do in that chapter, and it's only 20 pages, it's a concluding, it's a conclusion uh, looking forward. Uh, it, to me, if you can realize what a human being really is, if you think a human being is like the CIA thinks, just wetware, as they call us, uh, you know, hardware, software, wetware, um, then uh, you probably can't hear what I'm saying. But for me, as a student of Rudolf Steiner, long term, uh, I, uh, I see us as a divine being living in a, uh, a, a material body, as Madonna used to sing. And um, we are having a material experience here and attempting to develop free will under circumstances that we have not been prepared for, really. We, they come at us and we have to figure out what our morality in that moment is going to be, what we're going to do, how we're going to proceed, uh, how we're going to proceed for our children and grandchildren. These are these are big decisions, and and we we have to come to terms with them with our free will instead of having a master of tyranny over us, whether that master is a uh, a technocrat or uh, or a real tyrant. Uh, so uh, to me, that's. Uh, that's the first thing that we have to do is really come to terms with what being human is and then uh, decide whether we are willing to stand and fight for it. You've mentioned Rudolf Steiner a number of times, this Austri- Austrian philosopher and, and esotericist. Um, can you maybe expand on, on who he was a little bit and why, uh, why he's so important to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he actually was a scientist. He he was he was a like a PhD physicist is what his university training was. But he has become known for his esoterics and um, and his uh, his capabilities that are uh, spiritual to see into the future and uh, and to uh, he started the Waldorf movement. He started biodynamic farming. He started, uh, oh, I mean, just, it's it's endless. Um, and for me, I was a teacher when I encountered him, or or I knew I would be a teacher. And I recognized that that he would uh, be able to, that his, what he had come up with regarding children and young people uh, would definitely make me even a better teacher. So that's how I got involved with him. And I wasn't that interested in the esoterics at first. Uh, but then I began to see what happened in the classroom and the amazing healings that happened with children that had very big problems in learning. And so then I began to pay attention to everything else that he had brought. And that's that's what 40, 40 years ago. Um, so for me, he's uh, he's like a trail guide, maybe a trailblazer and a trail guide. Uh, he, his, his ability to, he, I think he gave 6,000 lectures in his life and, uh, he was, uh, actually murdered, uh, early. He should not, he should have lived longer. Uh, and he was a, an intrepid fighter for humanity. He said, he's the one who told me (laughs) through his book that, uh, that humanity is the religion of the gods. And what he meant by that was that we are a little lower than the angels uh, and that the free will um, experiment that we are, we humans are, uh, is admired 
throughout the uh, the various levels of the spiritual world. Uh, and you know that people in America have been taken by storm by materialism is unfortunate because then you have very few resources where whereas um, those who have an inner life and are in touch with spiritual uh, climates, uh, places, uh, beings, I don't know what they are, but I can tell that I have uh, I have some real help some real help uh, at my back uh, for doing the work I do. The uh, third book in the trilogy, Geoengineered Transhumanism, How the Environment Has Been Weaponized by Chemicals, Electromagnetism, and Nanotechnology for Synthetic Biology. Um, was this designed as, as, a, as a trilogy? Is this the last chapter, as it were, Ilana? Well, this uh, I, I didn't really design it. I'm kind of cheating there, but um, but it certainly... Uh, is the closure of everything I have to contribute to what geoengineering really is. I'm really fed up with the lies that are promulgated in the corporate media regarding what geoengineering is and isn't. It's much, much bigger. Uh, and, you know, it, I mean, Clifford Carnicum a long time ago said that it would, it had seven operations, weather engineering, chemical electromagnetic, planetary geophysical, directed energy weapons, surveillance and neural operations, in other words, mind control, uh, digital biology, nanotech, transhumanism, and then cloaking and obscuration of exotic propulsion craft in the clouds. Uh, these are all going on. This is a huge, huge program subject to and in service to the secret space program. So to me, um, this is my last, uh, the last book I'm going to write because I have reached my my expertise level, and it's time for those who are trained in plasma physics and uh, and other physics to come forward and um, and speak uh, out of the national security classification uh, uh, threat. Uh, and uh, have courage because people need to know that this uh, this program is tremendously powerful and in in every aspect of our lives, at least involved in every aspect of the technology that's overtaking us. Uh, you just mentioned something there that, uh, well, everything you've said tonight has pricked up my ears, but something you just mentioned, and that was about propulsion systems and crafts in the clouds. Uh, mm -hmm. are, are, you, is, are you saying that there is a connection between uh, the UAPs, as they now call UFOs, mm -hmm. um, and everything else you've been talking about tonight? Oh, I'm sure of it. Uh huh. And and what I'm saying is that there are uh, all the way from uh, craft that are like the TR-3B or uh, XB-37, which are uh, actual ships that we have created that are that have uh, a very exotic propulsion system and uh, and a uh, another type of uh, entity that often hides in the clouds as well because this uh, cirrus cloud cover this is you know these are not these are not the old clouds at all these are plasma clouds these are created uh, with chemicals and electromagnetism, so um, they they hide in it. And they're the one that I was thinking of that is a uh, actually that term you brought up a uh, an inorganic life form. Uh, 
may be uh, these plasma forms that Wilhelm Reich was finding when he was looking up there with his infrared camera. And, uh, and Trevor Constable was also finding in the desert where the air is nice and dry and you can see into the infrared. So um, these, these, these are ships uh, of some sort or, or, or inorganic life forms uh, that are often in the clouds. And uh, there, there's a site called What is in Our Skies, uh, which very much uh, goes into this. So, uh, yeah, that's the seventh operation that Clifford talked about. And it, is that the then explanation for UAPs in your mind, that these are basically uh, created here on Earth by you know, the elites, the technocrats, uh, and that their purpose is, again, to further this in, this this agenda of geoengineered transhumanism? In other words, we're not talking about ETs here. We're talking about... No, no I, and, and I don't do ETs. I have already said that, that I certainly posit the existence of entities. I think, uh, it, you know, when you look at the electromagnetic spectrum and you see this very minor, thin, thin, thin... Uh, domain of our perception compared to how vast the entire spectrum is all the way from gamma rays to radio waves, uh, you know we're not seeing much. And I would assume that there are many, many entities here on the earth uh, that we have been veiled from uh, seeing so that we can sort of work on our, our human domain uh, problem of free will. Uh, that's my assumption. Um, but I, I know that um, when people talk about ships from Alpha Centauri or somewhere else, I pretty much lose interest because, not because I think they might not exist, maybe they do, I, but they're not my domain. That's not, I'm here to defend humanity and anything that, that uh, broaches upon Earth existence. And I believe that these, uh, these these exotic propulsion craft uh, that are certainly plasma ships. I even encountered one myself, so I know they exist. Uh, they are they are plasma, and plasma is the fourth state of matter. But in a way, plasma is it is matter, but it's sort of diaphanous. It's sort of ethereal looking, so you don't think of it as matter, but it is matter. Uh, and uh, these are all Earth beings. Uh, I don't have to import anything off from off planet. You, you mentioned uh, the Van Allen belts and how we are part of this agenda is preparing us to be a, a spacefaring society uh, or civilization. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to be synthesized in, in, in order to be able to survive the Van Allen belts. Uh, so the question then had to do with, well, does that then suggest you don't believe we went to the moon because we weren't able to survive the Van Allen belts? Well, we certainly didn't go to the moon in rockets. Now, as to whether we went in, in a more exotic craft that we inherited from the paperclip Nazis when we brought them over and basically gave them carte blanche in America, uh, I don't know. That's possible. But getting through the Van Allen belts, uh, we even created one of those Van Allen belts, if you recall, with our stupid uh, practice of of uh, exploding atomic bombs back in the 50s. So um, I, I don't know, but no, I haven't, I haven't thought we went to the moon uh, in, the, in the way they said that we went to the moon. The, uh, the ionizing of the, the atmosphere, uh, that I'm guessing needs to be 
be constant and uninterrupted. If we were to shut down HARP and all, I don't know how many similar arrays there are now around the world. Would yeah. that put an en- would that put an end to this? Well, <laughs> it's sort of a fantasy of mine of like, well, I'd really like to see where we're at if that happened. Instead of just destroying a cell tower here and there, if we did something really spectacular, like shut down HARP or or the particularly in the northern hemisphere, like the one in, in Norway, there are some really big ones in Norway. Uh, recently, the Arecibo one collapsed. And I don't know what's happened with that. I haven't really followed up on that. So, yeah, uh, that would be a great start to just just get rid of. Uh, okay, I'd, I'd also throw in CERN. <laughs> yeah, that's my Christmas list you're talking about, Richard. All right, fantastic. How do we get a copy of Geoengineered Transhumanism? Well, there's two ways. Uh, the first way is the black and white edition. I couldn't offer a color edition for a price that, everyone could afford. So that's the one that's up at Amazon. And it's also uh, through various book dealers. But there is a book dealer in Seattle called the Rudolf Steiner Bookstore that is offering the color edition. And uh, he's doing all the mailing and everything. So you order through that. And you can remember that easily. It's the Rudolf Steiner Bookstore, Seattle, Washington. And uh, that's how you would get a color edition. Fantastic. Well, Ilana, thank you so much for hanging out for two hours. It's been too long. My fault entirely. You are a treasure. You are a treasure. Well, thank you. I, I always enjoy you, Richard. Well, let's. we won't leave it uh, so long next time, so we'll uh, we'll chat again. <laughs> All right. Ilana, Ilana Freeland. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats, we need. We need constant petting. 